three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 350. Uh, welcome in. Today we're going to talk about Kellen Mond. We're going to talk about a lot more of the NFL draft. We'll talk about the Detroit Lions. We'll talk about the Bengals. Uh, I've got a massive Ask Zach segment right in the middle of the show uh, for you Patreon supporters to celebrate episode 350. Uh, we'll end this show with more Aaron Rodgers and Trevor Lawrence talk. I know people are probably burned out, so I put it at the end. In case you're like, ah, I'm sick of Zach talking about Aaron Rodgers, which I don't know why you would be. But uh, uh, we're also going to talk about Formula One at the very end. It's buried at the end. I know it's not my most popular thing. So for those who want it, it's there at the end. Very, very last topic. If you don't want it, no problem. You can skip out. Um... Man, 350 episodes. That's how many episodes of this show we've done. We, you know, I, we've done it together. I, I make the show and I do it by myself, but I, you guys are a part of it. So I, I just want to say um, thank you so much for watching and listening. It means the world to me. Uh, if you go back and watch episode one, like I, I have grown up doing the show. I'm a totally different person. I look different. Uh, I'm fatter. I'm engaged. I, uh, it's been a, a really fun journey. And I, I, I love what I do so much. I mean, I could do... I hope we get to, like, episode 10,000. I'm not kidding. Like, it would be so cool to someday be like, I'm old with a beard. I'm like, good morning, good afternoon, episode 10,000. Like, I hope we're there someday. It'll be so much fun. And I, uh, man, I just cannot thank you guys enough. My 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 life has been so much uh, changed by this show and, and doing the show by you guys. And so I, uh, I just want to say thank you so very much. And also, I want to send a message to the haters. Uh, I can't even talk. I want to send a message to people who, you know, the, the haters, quote, unquote, uh, I want to say thank you. Uh, people don't realize whether you watch or listen or uh, no matter how you consume the show, even if you hate watch, even if you leave mean comments, it really does help me. Uh, and so if you leave mean comments like I hate you, you're ugly, uh, you're wrong about Justin Herbert, like no matter what you say, any comment on this show on YouTube really, really helps. And so I, I appreciate you. Uh, I also got to say, if you hate me, it does make me a little bit sad. Um, I, I, I can't please everybody, but I promise you. I, I authentically am who I am, and I, I'm honest, and I say what I believe, and I will never back down from that. Uh, not even in a combative way. Like, I just really believe in being yourself, and um, I, I hope people respect that. And uh, I, I feel bad if people hate me. Like, I don't, I don't want to be hated. I don't want to be not liked. I think everybody deep down wants to be liked. I know you can't achieve that, but um, I hope you know that even if you hate me, like, I just appreciate you. And I, I hope you listen to the show and really listen to what I have to say, because I think if you really listen to who I am, you'll see a genuine person. I do want to give two pieces of advice. Um, like, I know I'm not an old man, uh, but I have done 350 episodes of this show, and it's kind of my moment. I can say whatever I want. Uh, and I'm not I, I'm not old, again, but I'm, I'm also a long way from where I started. And so I want to say, um, don't be afraid to be weird. I remember as a kid, like very, very young, I was always afraid to be the weird guy. And I was the weird guy. I just kept it very, very quiet. And it's interesting how as you grow up, like, you know, middle school, high school, college, like everyone's afraid to be weird. And then once you're out in the real world, honestly, it's the weird people that uh, I, I think differentiate themselves and make them, that's who's interesting. That's the person you want to date, the person who's not afraid to be themselves. And so I just can't encourage that enough. Don't be afraid to be quote unquote weird. Uh, don't be afraid to be yourself. And then my second piece of advice is just go for it. Uh, I saw a, a, a interesting thing about the Minnesota Vikings recently. Apparently they wanted to draft Justin Fields with the number 14 overall pick. And then, you know, the Bears swooped in and stole their pick. And um, don't be the Vikings. Don't don't get caught waiting. If you wait for something, someone's probably going to take it from you. And that's, 
I just cannot encourage enough, go for stuff. Go get what you want. Um, I've taken a lot of risks in my life. Uh, they have been, even if they don't pay off the way I think they will, you know, it still works out some way. Like you can always learn from something. Uh, any adventure is a chance to grow. And I just, you know, there's a quote, I think it was Steve Jobs who said this. If you go enough days in a row where you're unhappy and don't like what you're doing, make a change. Uh, I, I have, I think, the greatest job in the world. I talk about sports for a living. I make content. I love it. And even me, I have days where I'm like, man, I really don't want to watch more film. I really don't want to edit this. Like, there are, even in my job, which I love, there are moments where I get really frustrated or tired or worn down. And that's just life. That's just any job. Um, but I, man, six out of the seven days, probably usually seven out of seven days, I love my job. And if you're at a, a doing, whatever you're doing, if enough days go by where you're like, man, I still, I haven't had a day where I enjoyed what I was doing, make a change. Whether you move away or you change your job or you change your college or your school or your friend group, like don't be afraid to make changes in your life to make your life better. Uh, I'm planning a move. I'm going to literally move like 2,000 miles away from where I live, and it's terrifying. I'm going to live in a tiny apartment smaller than I've ever lived. Literally, like uh, we're going to have a studio and a bedroom, and that's it. Like that's And I don't mean like it's like a kitchen that's also attached to the bedroom. It'll be a one-bedroom apartment. I am scared. Uh, but it's, I think, a, a move worth doing to get the life I want. So I just, I cannot encourage you enough. Don't be afraid to chase your dreams. Don't be afraid to be that weird kid. Be yourself and go get what you want in life. Okay, uh, my rant is over. I love you guys so much. I really, I hope you're doing very, very well. I appreciate your support. And uh, I love you very, very much. I want to jump in. I think my, uh, I think my, my air conditions, my air is on. I'm going to go turn my air off. I'll be right back and we will jump into the first topic about the Vikings draft pick, Kellen Mond. All right, I'm back. Uh, yeah, the AC was on, and let me tell you, it's cold outside. The last thing I need is it to be cold in here as well. I just, I feel like I'm always fighting the cold in this area where I live. And I don't even live in a particularly cold part of the country. Drives me nuts. Uh, not to mention the sound on the mic. I don't really want it, the, the sound, the air sound to be picked up on the mic. So anyway, we're back. Let's jump into topic number one. And uh, the topic number one is about Kellen Mond. In the third round of the NFL draft, the Minnesota Vikings drafted quarterback, Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M. And I am going to predict right now, Kellen Mond will become the Minnesota Vikings starting quarterback. I don't know when it's going to happen. It could be two years from now uh, when Kirk Cousins' contract is up. It could be two weeks from now or two weeks into the season. It could be uh, five games in. I don't know when it's going to happen. But at some point, Kellen Mond will become the Minnesota Vikings starting quarterback. And I don't mean like Kirk gets hurt and Kellen Mond starts a game. I mean, no, at some point, Kellen Mond is going to become the Minnesota Vikings franchise quarterback and their guy moving forward. I'm really excited. I love this guy's film. Like, I love, love, love. There's so many good throws on tape. I don't know why he fell to the third round. Kind of reminds me of when Russell Wilson went to the third round, and I was the only person going, Russell's amazing. And I didn't have a show back then, but I told my dad. I bet my dad 20 bucks, and you know, he almost instantly became the Minnesota Vikings, the, uh, sorry, the Seattle Seahawks starting quarterback. So this really reminds me of Russell Wilson. He's a guy who should not have been a third-round pick, who somehow slipped through the cracks and is really, really good. And uh, he's going to go into the NFL and compete with the Minnesota Vikings' current starting quarterback, Kirk Cousins. And it, frankly, it reminds me a lot of when the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson, uh, even though they had already a starting quarterback, Joe Flacco. And, and by the way, Kellen Mond is going to a really good team. They have wide receiver Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, a good running back, Dalvin Cook. They've got a bunch of good players on defense. Uh, this is a better situation. Kellen Mond, where he's going in Minnesota, is a much better situation than... You know, Trevor Lawrence with the Jaguars or Zach Wilson with the New York Jets. And uh, now Kirk Cousins, the Vikings' current starting quarterback, 
is an average NFL quarterback. He's um, middle of the road. He's fine. Like, he's not awful. He's a good starter. He's done some good work in the NFL. But I, I guarantee you, Kellen Mond is not aiming to be an average NFL starting quarterback. If you told a kid in high school, hey, you're going to go to the NFL. Is anybody aiming for Kirk Cousins? Nobody is. Like, it's interesting. You know, Watch what Kellen's been putting on social media. Watch, um, you know, listen to what he says in interviews. He has a lot of respect for Kirk. But he's also not intimidated. He's not afraid. Kellen has confidence in himself. And I, I look, I think the guy really enjoyed his journey in college football. He's like, man, I, I got a lot better in the last four years. And he's really confident he can turn himself into a franchise quarterback with enough work and enough time committed to his craft. And, uh, I mean, he really I, – I have no doubt Kellen Mond can work his butt off and turn himself into a franchise quarterback. And uh, this is a guy who – you see it on tape even, the way he's grown and the way he talks about himself. He enjoys the process. I, I love the tape and I love the way he carries himself. And I, I got to say, I was kind of worried that Kellen Mond would go to a team like the— uh, imagine he went to Kansas City where he's behind Patrick Mahomes and there's just no hope. He's never going to play. Like, you're not going to beat out Patrick Mahomes. But in Minnesota, Kellen has a chance. Like, he really has an opportunity where he can get on the field and become the starting quarterback. He's got a real shot to win the job and play. And, uh, I mean, the Vikings gave Kirk— a ton of money, and it's not worked out. Vikings fans are not happy. The organization isn't exactly happy. And by the way, the way I know that, there's a rumor going around right now that apparently the Minnesota Vikings were willing to and hoping to draft Justin Fields with a 14th overall pick. So they are ready to move on from a Kirk Cousins. And I, I think, frankly, they got an even better outcome. Like, I, I really, really like Kellen Mond. We can argue whether Justin Fields or Kellen Mond is better. I don't think it matters. The point is... The Vikings are done with Kirk Cousins, and I think they got their guy who's going to be really, really good. And so I just think it worked out very well for Minnesota. They got a guy who can be their next guy, and I really think they're done with Kirk Cousins pretty clearly based on their actions, what we're hearing. And so Kirk is the guy for now. He's going to get snaps starting week one of training camp. But after that, nothing's guaranteed, and the competition is on in Minnesota. I, I, I just— I cannot wait to watch this go down. I really am confident Kellen Mond is going to become the guy in Minnesota. I think Minnesota got to steal a franchise quarterback in the third round. And I, I'm not kidding, by the way. Go look at his social media. Go listen to the way he carries himself, the way he talks. Um, I think of all the quarterbacks in the 2021 NFL draft, Kellen Mond carries himself most like a president or a CEO or a franchise quarterback. No knock on Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, but go watch the way that Kellen Mond talks. That's a dude who's got confidence and swagger. He's also self-aware. There's a great moment where he says, you know, I'm not a finished product, which is a very healthy thing to say. Uh, he knows he's, he's got work to do and things he can improve on. So I just, I love this kid. I think he's really awesome. And I, I, I really, truly believe, I mean, he's hungry. He's ready to fight. And the film backs it up. Go watch this film. Like, I, I get, go watch the LSU game is bad. He was outmatched against a really good defense. I got no, no shame in saying he had a bad game against LSU. Other than that, I will pound the table for this guy. He had a really good season last year. He's got a lot of NFL qualities, a lot of NFL traits, good throws. I am telling you, go watch. If you're bored, go look up Kellen Mond games on YouTube. You can watch the guy play. He's awesome, and I, I really think he's a franchise quarterback. Now, there's one other thing. Uh, there's a connection between Clint Kubiak, the Vikings offensive coordinator, and Texas A&M, that was his first job. He, he used to work at Texas A&M. Uh, so Clint Kubiak is a lot closer to Kellen Mond in that situation when he was dealing with in college. I mean, I'm, situation meaning he saw how good the guy was. He watched him play, I think, a little bit more. He knows people in the building there. 
And so I think more than a lot of other NFL teams, the Vikings were in tune with what kind of quarterback Kellen Mond is and who they're getting. And so I am telling you, Kellen Mond is the future franchise quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. Count on it. I, I am I am so confident in this prediction. And if I'm wrong, of course, I revisit my predictions. If I'm dead wrong, we'll talk about it. But I, I just, I don't see that happening here. I, this is not a thing I will budge on. I'm very, very confident. Kellen Mond is the future franchise quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I want to shift gears. Another NFC North team. I look at the Detroit Lions right now, and I, I got to say, this is the first time in my entire lifetime where I am excited to watch the Detroit Lions next year. I, I actually, like, I can't, it's going to be fun to watch what happens there. And you can say what you want about the new Lions quarterback, Jared Goff. Uh, we can talk about whether he's good or not. I certainly have been critical of him in the past. But Jared Goff excites me in a way that I never was ever excited to watch the former Lions quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Remember, they traded Matthew Stafford straight up for Jared Goff. Uh, I think a couple of picks were It doesn't really matter. They got quarterback for quarterback. And as I think Matthew Stafford's a better quarterback than Jared Goff, but Matthew Stafford never made me want to watch the Lions. Jared Goff does. And part of that's what's around him. You know, the Lions got a new head coach, Dan Campbell. They got a new offensive coordinator, a guy I really, really love. Uh, Anthony Lynn is a, you, I, was he a good coach? Uh, he got fired and you can, we can go in circles whether or not he's a good coach or not. It doesn't really matter. My point is you can be a bad off, a bad head coach and still a really good offensive coordinator. Look at Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer used to be the Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator. He was phenomenal there. He failed miserably as the Giants head coach. You can be a good coordinator and a bad coach. It happens all the time. It's a very different skill set. I can't guarantee the Minnesota, so I can't guarantee that the, Detroit Lions are going to be... I just talked about Kellen Mond. The Vikings are on my mind. I can't guarantee the Detroit Lions are going to be a good football team. I don't know. But I, I guarantee they're going to be interesting. And I, I that's a huge improvement over the past for the Detroit Lions. Again, I can't imagine a time in my lifetime where I'm like, wow, I want to watch the Lions. They drafted really well. They drafted Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. He's probably uh, a Hall of Fame left tackle. Like That's a great pick. They drafted two D tackles. They drafted a stud corner. Uh, they drafted wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown from USC. Like, I cannot tell you how much I am interested in the Lions. Again, are they going to be good? I don't know. But they might be. And that's exciting. And that's changes happening. They're clearly trying to make a lot of changes in that organization. Uh, and I, I'll tell you, man, I'm really excited to watch the Detroit Lions next year in 2021. Okay, uh, let's shift gears to the Carolina Panthers. Let me drink some water real quick first. Um... So as we look at the draft, in the sixth round of the 2021 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers drafted a long snapper, Thomas Fletcher out of Alabama. And I saw this pick get a lot of criticism on social media. People were, you know, why would you draft a long snapper? What a terrible pick, a wasted pick. Uh, I think it's pretty clear a lot of people do not understand the value of a long snapper. Uh, I, I do want to say first before I say anything else about this topic, uh, feel free to take what I say with a grain of salt. Um, I did play with Thomas in high school. He was younger than me. Uh, I was a senior. He was a sophomore. I graduated. He moved away. And I haven't really interacted with Thomas much since then. Uh, you know, I, I've interacted with him as a fan for years. He's been at Alabama. I've been doing my own thing. Uh, but I, and by the way, of course, Thomas, you're welcome on the show anytime. Um, but I, I got to say, like, I, I, I guess if you want to say I'm biased here, and I, I did feel a need, I'm honest, you know, to say, to, to defend this guy, getting... A lot of criticism, like a lot of people just seem to not understand. And I'm, I'm here to educate people about long snapping. 
Uh, and I will say again, I've literally caught his snaps, so I have, I, I guess, some kind of bias. So um, I watched this dude go to Alabama and literally never once make a mistake. And nobody cares about a long snapper until something goes wrong. You know, a, a snap goes over a punter's head or the game-winning field goal has a bad snap and they miss and lose the game. Like, until something goes wrong, nobody cares. And so that's why nobody really cares about Thomas Fletcher because he never makes mistakes. Here's why the Carolina Panthers drafted Thomas Fletcher. You know, a long snapper. Oh, why would you do that? Uh, you get his rights so that nobody else can get him. Basically, if he becomes a free agent, then all 32 NFL teams have a chance to get him. If you draft him, he's your guy, and no one else can sign him. You got his rights first. And so now that you have Thomas Fletcher, now that the Carolina Panthers have him, you never need to worry about snaps. Literally for like the next 10 to 15 years, problem solved. You never need to worry about snaps ever again. And uh, this might be a bit dramatic. I don't mean to like jinx the guy, but people call Trevor Lawrence a generational player, like the best player I'll see in years. Thomas Fletcher is a generational long snapper. This is why Carolina drafted him. You know, Matt Rule could be there. A lot of coaches don't last for 20 years in the NFL. If Matt Rule is there for the next 15 to 20 years in Carolina, it's very possible for the next, for his entire tenure in the NFL, for the next 10 years, you do not have to worry about snaps uh, to on punts and on field goals. Like, ever again, problem solved. You don't need to worry about it. Thomas Fletcher's dad, uh, played in the NFL. He was a long snapper for the Seattle Seahawks. Thomas himself is a great dude. Uh, he was friends with my little brother. Uh, I, I loved to interact with him. I, he was a great teammate. Uh, if you watched Alabama over the years, you can see he's involved in national championships, celebrating with Tua and Jalen Hurts and Mac Jones, and they like him. There's a lot of camaraderie there. Uh, I, I loved watching Mac Jones and Thomas Fletcher celebrate winning a national championship, enjoying the moment. Yeah, I remember that on TV. And so I've been watching from a fan for a long time, following this guy because of our connection and I, I just want to say, you know, Thomas is lucky to go to a great organization. And I know that long snappers normally do not get drafted. But when there's somebody as good as Thomas Fletcher, that's when you make an exception. He's a fantastic long snapper. And that is why the Carolina Panthers drafted a long snapper. Okay, um, I want to play a clip from the last episode. This is me talking about the Cincinnati Bengals first round pick. I'm going to be really, really harsh on this one. The Cincinnati Bengals did not draft an offensive tackle, an offensive lineman. They drafted wide receiver Jamar Chase from LSU. And uh, Jamar Chase, another guy. Like, I, it's, it's, it's weird to knock this pick because he's incredibly talented. Like, he's a great football player. He played with Joe Burrow at LSU. Like, he's going to be he's gonna be awesome. Like, frankly, like, watching, it's going to be a high-powered, exciting offense in Cincinnati. Here's the problem. Your starting quarterback, Joe Burrow, got hurt last year with a season-ending injury, got hit a ton. You need to get him help on the offensive line. I just don't understand, like, ah, yeah, wide receiver, they're great, but if Joe Burrow's on his back, it doesn't matter how many great wide receivers you have. So I, this is the pick I hated the most in the draft. I could not believe that the Cincinnati Bengals did not draft an offensive tackle. They should have picked Panay Sewell out of Oregon. Uh, literally, I, it's very possible he's a Hall of Fame left tackle, and I, I just... What about the offensive line? I could not believe that the Bengals did not draft Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. I, I, I hated this move, I, which is weird to say. Again, they got a great player, but they got a player who doesn't protect the quarterback. So I, I just think it's a weird move that I really didn't like. So as I listen back to that clip, uh, I'm very well aware I'm going to get a lot of hate 
and a lot of anger from Cincinnati Bengals fans. Uh, and I, like I gotta say, Jamar Chase is gonna make a ton of plays in Cincinnati. Like he's gonna be, he's a stud. He's a great player. And watching Jamar Chase paired up with T. Higgins, it's gonna be fun. Like I, I have no doubt Jamar Chase is gonna score touchdowns, make a lot of big plays. He's gonna be a blast to watch in Cincinnati. This will not be an awful pick like when the Bengals drafted uh, John Ross, number nine overall in the draft uh, a couple years ago, and he was like a total bust. This is not that kind of pick. This is a good player who I I feel good about. But I still don't like the pick. As I reflect on the pick and really have time to sit and think about it, my fear is that in 2021, Joe Burrow is going to get hit a ton again and get hurt again and have another season-ending injury and I, I just, I, I cannot say this enough. You have to protect your young quarterback. It's very important to get your young quarterback protection, especially Joe Burrow, guy who got hurt last year. Get the guy some protection. I, I, I My fear is that like week seven, Joe Burrow is going to get hurt again. Now, I want to play the devil's advocate to be very fair to Cincinnati. Uh, they drafted a tackle in the second round. They drafted a tackle in the fourth round. They drafted a center in the sixth round. Like They drafted offensive linemen. Three of the 10 draft picks for the Cincinnati Bengals were offensive linemen. But my, my fear is we're going to look back on this pick. We're going to say, man, in 2021, the Bengals drafted Jamar Chase rather than tackle Panay Sewell. Offensive line. You can put up whatever you want on the offensive line. Panay Sewell. My fear is that Joe Burrow gets hurt, has another season-ending injury. Panay Sewell becomes a Hall of Fame left tackle. And we're going to look back on this 2021 draft pick by the Cincinnati Bengals and say, man, Jamar Chase was really good. But passing on Panay Sewell was a terrible, terrible mistake. That's my fear for the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll see if I'm right. Like, I'll revisit this. We'll, we'll see in like three years who is right. And uh, I, I'm not saying Jamar Chase is a bad pick because he's a great player. But I would have picked Panay Sewell. And uh, I just, I'm really curious to follow the storyline as it develops over this season and over the next couple of years. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll do Ask Zach. And then later, uh, I've got a really big topic about Aaron Rodgers. We'll do it at the end of the show in case anyone is tired and sick of hearing me uh, talk about Aaron. I've got, it's literally six parts. It's a six-part argument uh, of how I feel about Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, and then we'll do, you know, Trevor Lawrence. We'll do Form of the One. But coming up very next is Ask Zach. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. It's time for my favorite part of the show, Ask Zach. It's where I read questions from the audience. In case you don't know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. Uh, you can't give more you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. Uh, and I got to say, things are tight recently. Uh, the best way to support the show is to go to Patreon. Give a dollar a month. It's $12 a year. It really helps the show. And it gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Uh, if you submit a question, I do not guarantee to re read it on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs. Uh, and I pick the best and as many as I can to read on the show. So let's uh, jump in. Question number one is from Joshua. Joshua writes in and says, what are some of the most baffling draft picks you can remember? Specifically picks that made no sense to you when they happened and predictably didn't work out. So not just using hindsight. Uh, there's a great story. In 2005, uh, the Lions drafted wide receiver Mike Williams, 10th uh, overall out of USC. The team president, the guy who made the pick, was Matt Millen. He had control of the Lions organization. And the Lions head coach was Steve Mariucci. Steve Mariucci is a guy who, he's a broadcaster now. He's great on TV. Uh, he knows his football. Like, I, I really enjoy Steve Mariucci. And uh, in 2003, by the way, the Lions drafted wide receiver Charles Rogers out of Michigan State, number two overall. So that's 
a first-round pick in 2003. That's wide receiver. In 2004, uh, the Lions drafted another wide receiver in the first round, this time with the seventh overall pick, Roy Williams. Uh, this time with the, seventh overall, uh, with the seventh overall pick, Roy Williams out of uh, Texas. And then in 2005, uh, leading up to the draft, Steve Mariucci, the head coach of the Detroit Lions, came out and said, we do not need another wide receiver. We do not need to draft Mike Williams. He was trying to send a message to Matt Millen, the guy who had all the power. Hey, do not draft Mike Williams. We don't need him. So the coach came out and said, do not draft this guy. We don't need him. What did the, uh, what did the team president do, the guy in control do? Did he listen? Nah, stubborn Matt Millen said, I'm going to draft him anyway. So in 2005, number 10 overall, the Lions drafted wide receiver Mike Williams out of USC. He was a bust. He played five years, uh, took a little break in between, uh, was on four total teams in his career, caught a total of, get this, in five seasons, five touchdown catches in the NFL. That's the number 10 overall pick. That's a, a massive bust. Uh, and here's the real stinger, the, the, the most painful part of the story. Uh, look, they, they didn't need a receiver. They drafted two in a row in the first round. It was a bad pick that the coach didn't want. Here's the worst part, though. The Lions passed on a, a pass rusher, DeMarcus Ware, uh, who the Cowboys, with the very next pick, 11th overall, the, the Cowboys drafted DeMarcus Ware. Uh, and he was a nine-time Pro Bowler. He has 138.5 career sacks. He's a four-time All-Pro and he's eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2022. So the Lions passed on DeMarcus Ware to draft a receiver they didn't need, who the coach didn't want, who was an obvious bust. Uh, and they they, tra- they they passed on a potential Hall of Famer. It depends on who you talk to. People argue back and forth. But passing on DeMarcus Ware for the third wide receiver in three years in the first round, drafting a guy who was a massive bust, that is one of the worst draft picks I've ever seen in my life. And, of course, it was the Detroit Lions who did that. So that's a story I think a lot of people don't know that is uh, a horrendous, horrendous draft pick. One of the worst uh, in NFL history. Uh, Ben writes in, the next question is from Ben. Ben says, Kyle Pitts is wearing number eight, which I think is awesome. What do you think of the new number rule? So the new number rule basically opens up where people can be more numbers than before. I'm not that excited about it. Um, Good for Kyle Pitts, uh, and I guess it's kind of it's it makes sense because the NFL was behind the times. College football already had this rule, although college football rosters are way bigger than in the NFL. Uh, I, I will say I wore number eight in high school, so shout out to Kyle Pitts wearing my high school number, which I I got because no one wanted it, and I was new to the football team, and I was a transfer who nobody knew, and I learned the playbook in two days, won the starting job, yada yada. But I uh, I got I got number eight by chance. I didn't really want it. It's not important to me, but um, I guess it's kind of fun. I just don't care numbers. You can be whatever number you want. Numbers don't affect how you play on the football field. I'm a very, like, literal, analytical person. It literally doesn't matter. Uh, as I say, like, I, I was annoyed I got number eight. I just, I never cared. I took whatever number they gave me, and I was happy to play football. And it your number doesn't affect how you play. It doesn't affect anything. It's just a stupid number. Landon writes in. Uh, no, excuse me. Logan writes in. I got to go find Logan's question. Uh, let me open Patreon, because I, I remember this question. It was really, really fun. Uh, it was, like, literally the first one of the post, so it's very easy to find. Logan writes in. He says, how do you see this Duvall offense turning out? I, I tried to read it the best I could. I think it's just Duvall. I feel cringy. I did the best I could. Do you think that James Robinson and Travis Etienne can gel well? And how much will having a one-two punch like them in the backfield help lift some pressure off of Trevor? So, um, a running back doesn't help your quarterback. An offensive line helps your quarterback. That's first of all. Having two running backs when you... I, I, I don't... 
don't love this pick. I really don't. Um, I, I'm totally fine with Trevor Lawrence and ETN playing together. Having two running backs is fine, although they already had a Carlos Hyde who I was excited to watch, so now I, I don't know what to make of it. And then drafting a running back in the first round is not really... A, it's not a popular thing to do. It kind of does show to me that Urban Meyer hasn't been in the NFL very long. I I don't know. I Travis Etienne's a good player, and maybe he's like a huge superstar, and then the pick is totally justified. Uh, but especially when the Jaguars already had a running back, James Robinson, and you're drafting a guy in the first round where you can get a running back in the second round is good. I, I just it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't really. I almost never think it's a good idea to draft a running back in the first round. And I, I just, this pick felt unnecessary and, like, not a great pick. I, I'm, maybe I'm the only person who feels that way. Um, but I'm, I'm not sold that the Jaguars are going to do well in, uh, in, in the future with Urban Meyer and with what they're doing uh, moving forward. So, and, and Logan, I apologize. I know you're a huge Jaguars fan, and I hope, I'm, I hope they're fantastic. Uh, but I'm just not, I'm not sold that it's going to work. Land, uh, Landon writes in, Landon says, let's say you're a high school quarterback from Cali. You got five college offers, Arizona State, Florida, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Georgia. Which college are you going to sign to and why? I'm gonna, I think it's a positive to each one. Florida's got good weather, uh, and Oregon's got great jerseys. Georgia is a team that has great players and never has a quarterback, kind of like Wisconsin. So if you want to be a star, go to Georgia. Like, they need quarterbacks, and they don't have one. I, I, that's not a bad idea. But I think the two teams I would really have a hard time choosing between would be Oklahoma or Arizona State. Oklahoma is a team that usually has a quarterback, and if you're not a five-star quarterback, you're going to have a hard time getting on the field, but you're going to get great coaching, and you might get a shot at I to get great coaching and be ready for when you get your moment. That's that's a great life, and that's a good way to live your life, and go get what you want, and I, man, I, I think to go compete at Oklahoma, that's a great opportunity. I think the team I would choose, though, if I had to pick one team of the five you listed, I'd probably go to Arizona State. Uh, I love Herm Edwards. I love what they're doing at Arizona State. Uh, they're building a great program over there, really focused on building NFL players. They're trying to they're trying to build a team like Nick Saban, which I like. I mean, they're really focused. They're NFL-centric. They don't care about anything really other than getting you to the NFL. And I love Herm Edwards. I love what they're doing. And I, I think Arizona State is my—they're the program on the rise in the Pac-12. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what they can continue to do uh, with Herm Edwards and their focus on the NFL in the Pac-12. Braden writes in. He says, hey, Zach. Been a while since I submitted a question. I keep forgetting to. And then, like, the emoji with the sweaty, like, smile. Uh, that's my favorite emoji. I love it. Like, they're like, ah, ah. Um, my, my question today is related to Drew Locke. Earlier in the offseason, you said that you wanted to see Drew Locke in another year in the Pat Shermer offense. But recently, you've been pounding the table for Denver to draft a quarterback. So my question is, why the sudden change of heart? Thank you and keep up the great work. Uh, so there was a report that came out that the Denver Broncos had to dumb down their offense for Drew Locke last year. And that's when I bailed. That's when I was like, okay, I can't do this. I, I, I was trying to be patient and trying to give Drew Locke a fair shot. But when I found out that they're holding back their offense, uh, to me, that's terrible. And Denver's got too good of a roster to be held back by a bad quarterback. If you have to dumb down your offense for your quarterback, that's a bad sign. That's, that's a, a work ethic question, really. Like, you can't figure it out. And so... Trading for Teddy Bridgewater, uh, they traded a six-round pick for Teddy B. That's a steal. He's a very competent, very good quarterback. And then I'm curious whether or not the Denver Broncos trade for Aaron Rodgers. I, I would love, love, love to watch Aaron Rodgers play with the Denver Broncos where they got a great roster. Uh, and I think Aaron Rodgers in Denver has a chance to win a Super Bowl. I, that's, I think, the best place Aaron could possibly go. Uh, I would love to see that happen. And so that's why I bailed on Drew Locke. I think they can do better. 
I think they can get a guy who doesn't hold them back. And the, the, frankly, you can't screw around. The roster's good right now. If you're good right now, go get a quarterback. Don't screw around trying to develop a guy who may or may not work out. So I, I'm out on Drew Locke, and I'm ready for— I just You don't have time to waste, and there's too many good quarterbacks out in the world to not have a good one. Henry writes in. Henry says, Zach, who are some of your worst-to-first candidates for next year now that almost all of the roster-building season is over? Also, which coaches do you think are starting the 21 season in the 2021 season in the hot seat? So the Panthers were 5-11 and last year. Uh, they're building a really good team. Keep your eye on Carolina. They got their uh, starting quarterback, Sam Darnold. They got Robbie Anderson. They got, uh, they're, they're adding players like crazy, and they are, they're drafting really well. They're building a good program. They got a great owner, great coach, great offensive coordinator. I like Sam Darnold. I think he's going to get a fresh start and do very well. I absolutely love the Carolina Panthers. If I had to pick one team to be a fan of right now, I'd pick Carolina because I love their coach. I love what they're doing. I love the way they run. Uh, I would say I'm I'm a borderline Carolina Panthers fan, literally. Like I, there's they're my favorite team right now in the NFL, and I, I love what they're building. Uh, I would also say keep your eye on the Broncos, man. The Broncos were not really good last year, uh, and whether they have Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback or Aaron Rodgers, this is a team that is desperate for good quarterback play. And if they get that, which even Teddy Bridgewater is better than what they had last year, th- there's so much talent on offense and on defense in Denver. That this team, Denver, could explode in 2021. Keep your eye on the Denver Broncos. Uh, now, who's on the hot seat? Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona is undoubtedly in the hot seat. There is too much talent in Arizona to not figure it out. You made a bunch of trades. You made good draft picks. You added uh, J.J. Watt. You need to win. The roster's too good. And by the way, Cliff Kingsbury has got a losing record as a head coach in college football, a losing record in the NFL as head coach. It's time to win or Cliff Kingsbury's got to go. He is on the hot seat right now, and there's a lot of pressure on Cliff Kingsbury to do well in Arizona right now. And I, I hope it works. I like Cliff. I, I hope he does well, but I'm not sure that it's like, – we'll see. It's just – it's a really bad sign that in college he couldn't do well, and he's done badly in the NFL. And last year I was hoping they'd break out. They didn't. If the Arizona Cardinals don't have a breakout year this year in 2021, Cliff's getting fired. Allie writes in says – Hi, Zach. First off, you have the best sports... Co- uh, okay, I'm going to restart because this is a very nice compliment. Allie says, Hi, Zach. First off, you have the best sports podcast out there. There's nothing even close. Allie, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, now, I hope you're doing well, and I'm wondering, who is a player in the NFL right now who you think will have a breakout year next year who nobody's talking about? So I want you to keep your eye on the Denver Broncos tight end, Noah Fant. This is a dude with star potential. He's he's Go watch his highlights, dude. I, I watched a lot of Drew Locke film last year. He made plays, dude. He had a play where he caught the ball for like a five-yard gain and ran around people for a long touchdown. And you're like, that's a huge play. He can make good yards after the catch. He's got a great ability to catch the football. Uh, all that Noah Fant needs is good quarterback play. And whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or whether they trade for Aaron Rodgers, like I, I guarantee Noah Fant's going to get better quarterback play next year than he got last year and that he's ever had in his, in his life. And so... I, I am. I think this dude, Noah Fant, is ready for a breakout year. He's a star tight end. He just needs good quarterback play. And um, this is a, is a stud player under the radar. My breakout player for 2021 is going to be Noah Fant. I'm really excited to watch him play next year. And now Ali also wrote in six fun facts. She says, uh, number one, Andrew Luck had more career passing yards than two-time Super Bowl champion Bart Starr. Never knew that. Interesting. Uh, number two, about 35% of replays get overturned. Interesting. Uh, 12th, 
Uh, the 12th tiebreaker for a division championship is a coin flip. I don't know what that means, but the 12th tiebreaker for a division championship. Oh, it's like the last thing. It's like in order. It's just it's a random trivia fact. Well done, Allie. Uh, number five, a team has gotten worst to first every year since 2002 in the NFL. That's an unbelievable number. That's like, that is good news for the NFL, man. They have so much movement and so much. If you're an NFL fan, you have hope that your team can get better. No matter what, who you, the Lions, the, the Bear, the Browns made the playoffs. Like, no matter who you are, a couple changes and your team can go from worst to first. And that's a very, very good thing for the NFL. That makes me love the NFL even more. Number six, there have been over 200 sets of fathers and sons to play in the NFL. We think about the famous ones like um, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning and Archie Manning. But, like, yeah, Clay Matthews had a dad play. Like, there, it's actually unbelievable how many people, like, even, like, anonymous people that we don't think about. Christian McCaffrey is another one. But, like, people that are not superstars also have had dads to play in the NFL. Like, so many. Thomas Fletcher is a great example. Thomas Fletcher, the long snapper for the Carolina Panthers. His dad played long snapper for the Seattle Seahawks. Like, it's endless how many people who, I mean, I guess it's genetics and it's encouragement. Like, if your dad plays in the NFL, you're more likely to play football and care about that. So, it makes sense. That's uh, that's a lot of people, but I'm not surprised by that number either. Okay, uh, Randy writes in and says, Which of the non-first-round quarterbacks that got drafted this year do you believe has the best shot of succeeding in the NFL and why? Kellen Mond, a third-round pick. Uh, he reminds me of Russell Wilson. The guy Russell Wilson was a first-round talent who fell to the third round. Kellen Mond is a franchise quarterback. I, I am, I've never. It's one of the things I'm like most bullish on. I'm like, this is going to happen. He's competing with Kirk Cousins, who's an average quarterback. And I, if Kellen Mond has any kind of confidence, he is not threatened by Kirk Cousins. Uh, the Vikings are a good team. You know, Adam Thielen at receiver, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. A, Bunch of good players on defense, a well-coached defense that I, man, I, I love. Mike Zimmer is questionable. He's a great defensive coordinator. I love Mike Zimmer on defense. He's got so many good play designs and blitzes where I'm like, I, I don't know how to block that. There's so many moments where you're like, the Vikings just are very well-coached on defense. G- great scheme and design. Um, and the best thing about Kellen Mond, he's given time to develop. They have Kirk Cousins, so there's no pressure on Kellen Mond to play right away, unlike uh, like Justin Fields, the pressure's on. They have Andy Dalton, but people are expecting a lot. There's no expectations from Kellen Mond. That's going to help him too, other than, you know, obviously of himself. So I, I am really bullish on this. Kellen Mond is a future Minnesota Vikings franchise quarterback. Uh, Brass Monkey writes in, says, uh, Zach, if you had to set one of the network NFL themes as your alarm for the rest of your life, which would it be? Ones like the NFL on Fox or the CBS team, et cetera. Uh, For me, as the kids would say, the NBC Sunday Night Football theme slaps. And that did not sound natural or feel natural for me. Uh, Dude, I think it goes, it's like, it's like, I can't, it's cringy. I did it. I'm sorry. I even like cut to get it right. So I did the best I could. I. What a dumb show we do. Um, I do. I do. I make the show myself. Um, yeah, the NBC Sunday Night Football theme is fantastic. I love it. It's really, really great. And uh, that's the one I would do. Okay, Marcus writes in. Um, Marcus, I feel like I have to answer the que- this question, but I, I – because I think it's it's too important of a topic to ignore. But I, I got to say, Marcus, I love you. I appreciate your support. Please don't leave us based on my answer. Marcus writes in and says – and I cut out the first part of this question because I, 
I did have a long Aaron Rodgers topic up ahead, and I I answer everything he says on my Aaron Rodgers topic, so I don't I didn't really want to talk about Aaron Rodgers anymore. Um, but Marcus wrote in and said I was a leader of a much smaller scale high school football lacrosse team, and I wasn't much of a rah rah yelling all the time guy. I led by example. If you messed up, I would stare, roll my eyes sometimes because I expected more. But I also would, in a sense, point the finger because I'd point out who wasn't doing what they were supposed to, myself included. <sighs> Marcus, again, please do not leave. Like, I, I, I don't want to make you angry, um, but I, I am going to respond. I'm going to be myself, and I <laughs> I hope you stick around on Patreon, man. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm sorry for my answer. Respectfully, I disagree with your style of leadership. Um, I think being direct is better. Rolling your eyes. Um, you know, being passive aggressive, like direct communication is the style that I like. And I think it's not just opinion. I think, I think that's very important to be direct, to be honest and open and direct communication is very, very important. And I, I, it's not really something like you can pick a side on, in my opinion, I think that's how you communicate with people. Um, and I, I, I love you, man. Uh, but this is, I think, I think one thing you can do when you're, when you're dealing with a player, like if, if a receiver dropped a pass for me, I'd say, Marcus, I love you. But you gotta catch that, you stupid. Ugh, like I, I, I would get angry, but it also makes sure he knows. Like I do it because I love him, and I want him to do well, and I want to win. And you can both affirm someone and get after them and make it clear, like that's important. You gotta run the right route. Don't cut your route short. Like you, you can get after someone, and I think it's a yelling at people. I'd rather you yell at somebody than be like, you know, you like. <laughs> I cussed. I I'll bleep it out. Um, I just. You can coach up a guy without blaming someone and pointing the finger. And when people feel in trouble, they often shut down. And people generally do not take criticism well. It's not a, a humans just in general do not like when they feel in trouble and when they feel criticized. So you have to be careful with how you communicate with people. And I think it's important to be direct and be honest and open and then be careful not to hurt people's feelings. And you can uplift someone. And I, I think that encouragement and bringing people together is important. And that's good leadership. Now, here's the definition of passive-aggressive. It's very long. The definition on Google of passive-aggressive, if you look it up, says it's a type of behavior or personality characterized by indirect resistance to the demands of others and an avoidance of direct confrontation. Also in procrastinating or pouting or misplacing important material. So it's it's an indirect way. It includes pouting. It includes procrastinating. It's indirect. I Passive-aggressive leadership is not good. It's never good. If you can be characterized as passive-aggressive, which I think that, you know, rolling your eyes at somebody, staring at them, that's passive-aggressive. That's not good. That's not good leadership, Marcus. And I, and not to call you out, but I, I just, you have to talk about this. Like, I don't, I don't think that's a good way to lead. And I will never, ever go, wow, great. No, I think passive-aggressive leadership is bad leadership and unhelpful. And again, I encourage people, be honest with them, be real, um, being, I talked about this in the last episode. There's a thing called emotional wake. When you leave a room, do people feel you know unified and brought together, or do people feel divided and mistrusting? And if you lead in a style that makes people not like you, that's not bad. You don't have to be liked to be a good leader. But I, I think about like I don't know that it's that bad, and it's not that hard to be liked. You shouldn't be trying to be liked. You should be. But if you people hate you and you're the leader of your team, is that good? I don't think that's good. And I, like, I made plenty of mistakes in high school. There was a kid who I, uh, when I was in high school football, I made a kid quit football because he kept screwing around and he was talented. And I, I honestly, like, look back, I should have wooed him more. I should have been more encouraging and less kind of angry. And 
I, I felt like he was cancer and he had to cut him out. So I, I literally was really hard on this kid and he quit. I regret that. Like, I, I wish I'd been, kid's name is Peyton. He was a tall six foot five wide receiver. That's kind of something good. And I wish I'd been more encouraging and I, just not so angry at him for screwing off during warmups and not paying attention and running the wrong routes. And I, I feel like it wasn't invested and I, I didn't like that, but I should have gone about it in a different way that would have been more caring and where I saw him recently at a wedding and it was awkward. I felt bad. I, I was like, I was like, man, this kid probably hates me. I made him quit football and I don't, that's not good leadership, man. Like that's, you shouldn't do that. And so I just, man, I being encouraging, being positive, bringing people together. Like that's good leadership in my opinion. And if you're making people, angry, not caring for their heart, and you're pointing fingers, that's, I just, I'm never going to think that's good leadership. So, um, like, Aaron Rodgers is a bad leader, in my opinion. Tom Brady has a different style. It's more direct. He yells at people. It's okay to yell at people, but also make sure they feel cared for. Dude, you ever seen Tom Brady yell at Julian Edelman? They are best friends. They are best buds. But they yell, they got angry. Look at the video of Peyton Manning screaming at Jeff Saturday. Just because you yell at someone doesn't mean you hate them. doesn't mean you can't have a good relationship with them. I yelled at my brother and sister, and it happens. It's okay, but it's better to get it out than passive-aggressively stare at someone and not say it out loud. My, my, my dad and my stepmom have this thing they tell me all the time. Say it out loud. If you're thinking something, for example, my dad tells me he loves me all the time because he wants to say it out loud. He doesn't want to be that thing that he never tells me. It's the same with running. If you don't tell a guy, hey— that's the wrong route. You you got to take another step when you before you cut your out route. Don't just glower at him. Coach him up. Help him. It may help him do it better next time. So I just passive aggressive staring and jeering and rolling the eyes. I'm never going to think that's good leadership, and I don't support that whatsoever. All right, guys. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. Uh, when I return, we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers. Oh, man. It's a long one, and if you're sick of it, you can skip. We'll talk about Formula 1 at the very end last topic, and I'll— I'm going to talk more about Trevor Lawrence as well. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. Uh, I want to now talk about the Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. And um, look, I realize that this topic is not going to change anybody's mind. Uh, but I have a lot to say, and I do think it's interesting. I love this topic. I, I care a lot about it. And I know most people either really, really like Aaron Rodgers or really, really don't. He's a very polarizing person. And most people's mind is already made up. Uh, and I also know that facts do not change people's opinion. Um, but I, I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers. So here we go. Uh, I broke up what I have to say into six parts. Uh, I wanted to make it easy to digest, uh, easy to follow along with, easy to listen to. Part one is this. I, I, and I got to go. I got to go get the trophy. I'll, I'll be right back. Okay, I do not hate Aaron Rodgers. I get accused of hating Aaron Rodgers all the time. I literally gave Aaron Rodgers my NFL Offensive Player of the Year for 2020. Uh, and I, when people say I hate Aaron Rodgers, it's simply not true. Like, you you don't know what's in my heart. And it, it drives me nuts. I, I really, I don't hate the guy. And I, I don't know what else to say other than that. Uh, maybe, you know, there, I will say there was a good argument for Derek Henry for the NFL Offensive Player of the Year last year. He ran for over 2,000 yards. If I hated Aaron Rodgers, I could have very easily said, I'm going to give the award to Derrick Henry and snub Aaron, who I think was very much deserving. I don't hate the guy. Uh, I enjoy watching Jeopardy. I, I love, I mean, Aaron Rodgers opened the world of Jeopardy to me. I watched every single episode where he was a guest host. Um, I think he's great in interviews. Seems like a really cool dude. And he's also quite possibly, and I think is, if I just, if someone had a gun in my head and said, pick one guy, I'd say Aaron is the best thrower of the football, like ever to walk 
on planet Earth. He's the best thrower of the football ever. He's incredibly talented. I do not hate Aaron Rodgers, and I'm so tired of hearing that. Uh, okay, now, number two, I also want to say I support Aaron Rodgers trying to get out of Green Bay. I've got no problem with the guy wanting a trade, wanting out. There is nothing wrong with wanting to leave. Uh, I, I think there's nothing wrong with wanting a better life. I transferred in high school. Uh, I played football at multiple colleges. I am planning to move away 2,000 miles away from where I live. It's terrifying. It's daunting. But I want a better life, and it's okay to want something different and want a better life. And if Aaron feels like leaving Green Bay is going to give him a better life, it, he's, first of all, he's probably right. Because usually you know what you want, and if you really want to change, you should go get that. I, I, don't, I support that. I think it's right, and I support Aaron Rodgers wanting out of Green Bay. Hey everyone, it's Zach. Um, I am coming to you from the editing room. I was editing this episode and I realized, oh my gosh, I mispronounced Brian Gutekunst's name pretty much every time I said it. I think I said Gutenkunst. So I just wanted to get out in front of it and say, hey, I am wrong. I My bad. Uh, it's not the most natural name to say in the entire world. Uh, and I just, hey, be warned. I'm about to say his name wrong. Like literally every single time you've been warned, I apologize. Um, and uh, I know people hate it. So I Letting you know, it's I know it's Gutekunst, not Gutenkunst, but uh, you try to say that a hundred times in a row. It's not easy. So love you, appreciate you, enjoy the rest of the topic. So number three, point number three, my problem is not what Aaron Rodgers is doing. My problem is the way he's doing it, the way he's going about solving his problem. For example, I think it totally made sense that a report came out saying Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. What I didn't like was the timing of it. Why did that have to come out the day of the NFL draft? And you can say, look, Aaron didn't release the report. ESPN, Adam Schefter made that report happen. But there's information in there that only Aaron Rodgers could have provided in the story. And to do it on the day of the draft, to, I, there, there's just it's not a coincidence that a year after Aaron got embarrassed by the Packers, to the day, Aaron Rodgers ruins their draft. Like, you ruined my draft day a year ago. I'm going to ruin yours. And the Packers, what happened to them was extremely unhelpful. They got left scrambling the day of the draft. And the only person who benefited from that information coming out the day of the draft was Aaron Rodgers. He got revenge on the Packers. It was vengeful. It ruined draft day for the Packers. And it was revenge for what happened a year ago. And uh, then a report came out that maybe if the Packers fired their general manager, Brian Gutenkunst, then maybe if you fire the GM then again, maybe we can work things out. Maybe I can find a way, Aaron, the report came out, that maybe Aaron could find a way to be happy in Green Bay if the Packers fired their general manager. And I got a lot of feedback from fans on Instagram and social media, people saying like, well, what if the story's fake? Like maybe the report isn't true. Hey, maybe it's not. But I will say if the report isn't true, then Aaron Rodgers should come out and say, hey, I don't, this isn't true. I didn't say this. I don't feel this way. Because trying to get somebody fired is not cool. You know, my dad lost a job in 2009 in the recession, and we were homeless. We lived in a mobile home. It was not fun. I, you know, Brian Gutenkunst has a family. He's got a wife. He's got four kids. Messing with people's livelihood is not cool. It's not, I don't like that. It's a very serious thing. And if it's not true, if it's not true that Aaron really wants the GM fired, he should come out and say that. And if he doesn't say that, I, I think that's the wrong way to handle the situation. Again, he's got a family, four kids. Now, this leads me to point number four. I do not believe that Brian Gutenkunst is doing a bad job. In fact, he's done very well as a general manager. Now, I remember a couple years ago, 
was it two years ago now? Freddie Kitchens was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. He was not a good head coach. Like, yeah, if you're doing a bad job, you shouldn't keep your job. Like, you should get fired if you're doing a terrible job. But to me, in my opinion, from where I stand, and I'll explain why, firing Brian Gutenkunst does not appear to be a justifiable thing. So his job as general manager is to pick the players and build the team. And two years in a row now, the team that Brian Gutenkunst built has gone to the NFC championship game. One game away from getting to a Super Bowl. Is that a bad football team? Is that a, a team that should add better players? I, that's a good... How many people go to the NFC championship game and then lose their job? Not very many. That's a successful, good football team. He brought in Zadari Smith. He brought in Preston Smith. He built a really good team around Aaron Rodgers. That was the doing of Brian Gutenkunst. And people say the guy needs to draft a wide receiver in the first round. Um, no, no, they don't. Look at the Packers roster. They don't need a receiver, first of all. All these people act like Aaron Rodgers has nobody to throw to. That's just not true. The Packers actually have Devontae Adams, a four-time Pro Bowler, who's awesome. Uh, he's fantastic. The Packers also have Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They have Alan Lazard and Robert Tanyan. There's a, a bunch of guys that I just listed that are like good wide receivers who, you know, Robert Tanyan is a tight end, but people who are good pass catchers who make plays for Aaron Rodgers. I don't, Aaron doesn't need a wide receiver. He's just won the NFL MVP. Like how many times does a quarterback on a terrible team win MVP? That doesn't sound like an offense that's just floundering. And when you're a quarterback wins MVP, that's not a sign of a terrible offense. I, I, I just, it's really frustrating, you know, draft a wide receiver in the first round. These are the top picks the Packers made in the most recent NFL draft in 2021. In the first round, they drafted a corner, Eric Stokes. That's a good pick. They desperately needed a corner. They didn't desperately need a receiver. They desperately needed a corner. Then in the second round, the Packers drafted a center, Josh Myers out of Ohio State. Do not tell me that drafting an offensive lineman is somehow not good for Aaron Rodgers. Drafting an offensive lineman helps your quarterback in any situation. Then in the third round, the Packers drafted Amari Rodgers, a wide receiver out of Clemson. And then in the fourth round, the Packers drafted another offensive lineman, Royce Newman from Ole Miss. So the first four picks the Packers made in the 2021 NFL draft help the Packers quarterback. The defense got better. They drafted two offensive linemen and a wide receiver. Like, that's that's good. And by the way, they're already a good team. I'm, I'm really sorry. That, and by the way, I want to be careful. I know that when I get, I'm, I'm very passionate about this topic. I care a lot. And I think there's a lot of people that are just flat out wrong about this. And so I, I, I hope my tone of voice doesn't turn people off. I apologize. I know that my dad has a saying. He says, emotion moves faster than words. And so I, I just apologize if I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep myself, you know, not too excited. And I'm not angry. I just, I really care about this topic. Uh, and look, I'm really sorry that the Packers didn't draft a wide receiver in the first round, but they didn't need one. The Packers needed a corner. And it's really frustrating to me that people use that Packers first round pick as kind of a scapegoat to be like, see, that's why the GM is bad. It's like, no, he made a good pick. He drafted four really good players that were good for their team. Now, people say all the time, I hear this a lot. People say, the Packers just simply do not draft receivers in the first round. And after that statement is made, the assumption would be, and it's a very fair assumption, people would think, wow, well, the Packers must have never given Aaron Rodgers any good receivers to play with. So to prove that wrong, here's a list of receivers uh, that have been pro bowlers while Aaron has played with them. I guess the only one on this list, Jimmy Graham is a pro bowler who went to the Packers and left after one year to go to Chicago. But he played with Donald Driver, 
Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, Randall Cobb is a pro bowler, uh, Jimmy Graham is on the list, uh, and then, of course, you have Devontae Adams. Like, that's a long list of people who have been very good players that Aaron Rodgers has played with. And so I'm really tired of people acting like Aaron has just never, ever had help. I, I'm sorry there weren't first-round picks. I'm sorry that Jordy Nelson wasn't a first-round pick. But Jordy Nelson was awesome, like a great player. And so I, I just, it seems completely disingenuous when people say, well, they never draft first-round receivers. It doesn't matter. I don't care when people are drafted. Are they good? He's had a lot of good people around him his entire career. Now, here's where a lot of people, the division is kind of drawn in the sand. Brian Gutenkunst drafted a quarterback, Jordan Love, in the first round in the 2020 NFL draft. And a lot of people said, man, the Packers do not need a quarterback. By the way, uh, that's the same thing they said when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers in 2005, when the Packers already had a starting quarterback, Brett Favre. Like, history just repeated itself. And people hated that pick back then, and now they love Aaron Rodgers, and people hated the Jordan Love pick. And if Jordan Love does well... They'll love Jordan Love, too. It's, it's so funny. Like, nope, we have such a short memory. And I think maybe it's because a lot of people on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube just were not literally born when Aaron Rodgers was drafted. I don't know. Uh, but if you're running a team and you have a quarterback older than, uh, you know, if you have an older quarterback, Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old. Uh, Philip Rivers, who was two years older than Aaron, 39, just retired. And so if you have an older quarterback, then you have a responsibility as a general manager to make sure you have a backup plan. I would compare the Green Bay Packers to the Pittsburgh Steelers. When Big Ben retires, Pittsburgh has no plan. There's nothing next. And I, I think that's incredibly irresponsible to not have a backup plan prepared when your aging veteran quarterback retires. If you have no plan after that, I, that's a huge mistake. And that's, that's a irresponsible way to run your franchise. I'm going to say, this is very important to me. Drafting Jordan Love was a good pick. I... I it drives me nuts. People are like so harsh on that. That's a good draft pick. You have an older quarterback who's expensive. And by the way, Aaron is now talking about retiring and going and doing Jeopardy. So the Packers had better have a backup plan after Aaron Rodgers because the way Aaron talks sounds like he's done with football sometimes. So it's a good thing the Packers drafted Jordan Love. Now, here's the mistake that Brian Gutenkunst made. And we can, we can talk about this. I think it's very, very important. When... Brian Gutenkunst drafted Jordan Love. He didn't get on the phone and call Aaron Rodgers to give him a heads up. And I, I was a manager at a grocery store. I've been a manager before. I've had employees under me. Part of being any kind of manager, whether you're at a grocery store or a football team, uh, running hardware, like no matter what you do, part of being a manager is, you know, the experience of having to have uncomfortable conversations, telling people like, hey, you got to come to work. You got you to do better. You got to, like, you have to be able to have uncomfortable conversations in any kind of manager position. So that's, you can argue, and I understand that argument. That is part of Brian Gutenkunst's job. I, I hear that argument. I've been a manager before. So I, I think, yeah, Brian Gutenkunst should have called Aaron Rodgers. That would have been the right thing to do relationally. Like, you know, uh, it's kind of funny the you know, the Buccaneers called Tom Brady when they drafted Kyle Trask. The Bears called uh, Andy Dalton when they drafted Justin Fields. And I, I will say part of that is because that's happened after the Aaron Rodgers things. A lot of teams looked at what happened with Aaron and were like, man, you better warn your starting quarterback. You're going to make him very, very angry. However, so if you have a good relationship, the right thing relationally to do is give some a warning. Hey, uh, we're thinking of replacing you. However, I will say, Aaron does not appear to have a good relationship with Brian Gutenkunst. And if you call Aaron Rodgers on draft night, hey, Aaron, 
we're trading up, we're drafting a quarterback in the first round. What if Aaron says, no, don't do that? That's a risk that no one talks about ever. Because if Aaron tells you not to draft Jordan Love, you're in a really tough spot where if you, because you're the Packers and you're like, our, our quarterback's aging, we feel like we need a quarterback. And Aaron tells you not to draft him and you do it anyway. Then you automatically damage the relationship. So the only way to not risk that kind of interaction is to simply not call Aaron Rodgers. So I can see a world where you're mad that he didn't call Aaron Rodgers. I also see a world where you did. And again, all these people saying, well, Andy Dalton got a heads up and Tom Brady got a heads up. Well, uh, this is post the Aaron Rodgers era where it's been very public knowledge. Hey, if you don't tell your quarterback, like the Packers didn't tell Aaron Rodgers, he might get really angry. And no one wants to make that mistake that the Packers made. So clearly a decision was made in 2020 not to pick up the phone and call Aaron Rodgers. And the decision to me was pretty clear that Packers felt like it wasn't safe to make that phone call. And then also there's a conflict of interest here where for one party, drafting a quarterback, when you have an older quarterback, drafting Jordan Love is good for the Packers. It's good for what the team needs. But drafting Jordan Love is not what's best for Aaron Rodgers. See the conflict there? So why should Aaron have input on something that his answer built in is not necessarily good for the team? And so when the Packers drafted Jordan Love, that was the moment where the divide began, where if you're a fan of the Packers, you had to very quickly realize, am I a fan of Aaron Rodgers or am I a fan of the Green Bay Packers? Because you have to pick a side now. Because what's best for the Packers no longer was what's best for Aaron Rodgers. The, the, the divide happened, and... I just think it's a very important distinction. Ask yourself, if you're a Packers fan, are you really? If Aaron Rodgers leaves, are you a fan of Aaron Rodgers? Are you going to follow him? Or are you going to remain a Green Bay Packers fan? That's a real question you need to ask yourself uh, if you are a Packers fan. Now, here's part number five. I have high expectations for Aaron Rodgers. He's a future Hall of Fame quarterback. So I, I'm hard on my guy, yes. But he's a future Hall of Fame quarterback. I expect a lot from a guy like Aaron Rodgers. When you have a good team around you and you're – a quarterback of the caliber of Aaron Rodgers, you should win a Super Bowl. The fact that he hasn't is kind of weird. And did you notice that every single person finds a way to blame everybody other than Aaron Rodgers? It's the receivers. It's the defense. It's the offensive line. It's the GM. It's never, ever. The blame never goes to Aaron Rodgers. It's a bit weird. And if Aaron Rodgers really is the best quarterback in the entire NFL, what's happened in the last two years? Why have they gone to the NFC Championship game and lost? In the NFC Championship game last year in 2020, Aaron got a ton of support. They played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Aaron Rodgers' Green Bay Packers defense picked off Tom Brady three times, and they lost. <laughs> like, uh, he had to hit a, a defense that picked off Tom Brady three times. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's, I guess, so bad they needed to replace him, had 115 yards receiving and a touchdown. Aaron got help. And they lost. But nobody wants to talk about how maybe, just maybe, that was Aaron Rodgers' fault. We blame the coach, the GM, the receivers, the defense. We blame everybody other than the Hall of Fame quarterback who, God forbid, gets held accountable when you're a great quarterback on a good team and you probably got to win that game. So I, I'm told all the time, the Packers just, all they need is wide receivers. And then I watch... Marquez Valdez-Scantling have over 100 yards receiving the NFC Championship game. It's like, it's not like they have nobody. It's very weird to me. Again, he's a future Hall of Fame quarterback. I expect a lot from Aaron Rodgers. And if that report 
that if the report that Aaron wants a GM fired really isn't true and it's fake, Aaron should come out and say, this isn't true. I don't feel this way. He should hold a press conference and deny it because, again, messing with a man's livelihood when he's got a family, four kids, that's not cool. And, you know, I, I honestly, the thing I wish Aaron would do is demand that Jordan Love get traded. Uh, when Tom Brady was on the, uh, the New England Patriots and they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round, we're like, hey, we're trying to get a guy for when you're done. Tom Brady was like, get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, trade him away. Did you notice nobody lost their job? Tom Brady didn't say, oh, you want to replace me? So Bill Belichick, the GM, he should be fired. He's, he's clearly an idiot. And Bill didn't want Tom Brady, and Tom Brady clearly had some football left in him. He did really well. But notice nobody lost their job in the Tom Brady situation. In fact, Jimmy Garoppolo got traded and got a massive, massive payday. You're telling me if Jordan Love didn't get traded away from the Green Bay Packers, he wouldn't get an opportunity? The Bears, before drafting Jordan, Justin Fields, would have loved to have Jordan Love. Like, there are a lot of teams out there who are like, hmm, we'll take like the Washington football team. They'll take Jordan Love. They're like, sure, we'll take him. We'll, we'll see. We want to see what he has. We have, we have a veteran quarterback, and we'll let Jordan Love sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year. There are teams out there that would love to have Jordan Love. And he benefits from leaving Green Bay if, if the Packers want that. So I don't understand why Aaron Rodgers doesn't go demand a trade for Jordan Love. I'm mad about it. I didn't like the pick. Tom, I, I have no problem with being direct and saying, I don't like to pick it rid of him. But this whole, it's the indirect part I don't like. And I, I got to tell you this, man. You can pursue what you want without tearing other people down. Remember, Mike McCarthy got fired because of Aaron Rodgers. This is not the first time this has happened. He got Mike McCarthy fired. Now he's trying to get the GM fired. And by the way, the GM, Brian Gutenkunst, does not deserve it. He's done a good job. He's built a good team. He's given a lot of support to Aaron Rodgers. And I just, I, I'm not down with Aaron trying to ruin another man's livelihood. And if it's not true, deny it. Come out and say it. But he hasn't said anything. So clearly to me, it's probably true. And to say I'm not coming back is fine. It's not what he's doing. It's the way he's doing it. And I, I really believe that talent and skill does not give you an excuse to be a jerk. And man, I, I, what I don't get about this is that Trying to ruin another man's life, trying to t get somebody fired. Is that a good guy move? Is that something that heroes do? I don't think so. But we're treating Aaron Rodgers like a hero who deserves a ton of praise. I'm on Aaron Rodgers' side. Oh, you are? Trying to ruin a man's life? Take his job? He's got a family? I, I, who's done, who, again, again, Brian Gutenkunst has done a good job. He made a pick Aaron didn't like, but he's made a bunch of great moves to build that Packers team, and they've done very, very well. I just, Again, if he was Freddie Kitchens and was terrible, fire the guy, sure. But firing Brian Gutenkunst is just simply not justified. Now, that the Kentucky Derby, again, I hold the whole part, this part five is about holding Aaron Rodgers accountable. It's okay. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. You should have high expectations of him. This past weekend at the Kentucky Derby, Aaron Rodgers was there. Mike Tirico was there broadcasting. And Mike Tirico had a conversation with Aaron. Do you want to be interviewed? And Aaron said, no, nah, I don't want to do it. And what he said privately, you know, off the record, but, you know, kind of the thing that they can say publicly is Aaron told Mike Tirico he was disappointed that all this information about Green Bay came out. That seems really, really disingenuous. That's just not true. I, I don't understand how that possibly could be true. Because the information that Aaron Rodgers is unhappy in Green Bay coming out all it does is help Aaron Rodgers. Remember that report that apparently the 49ers tried to trade for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were like, no, no way we're not making that happen. The Packers have denied trades. 
So if that report didn't come out, then it's very possible Aaron would have had a much harder time forcing his way out. That information, for Aaron Rodgers to get what he wants, the information that he doesn't want to be in Green Bay had to come out somehow. And to tell me that Aaron, the, the timing is a coincidence. There's no way a year to the day he got embarrassed by the GM, that information suddenly comes out. Come on. Come on. That's not a coincidence. So here's the last thing I want to say. It's part number six. The Packers' relationship with Aaron Rodgers is over. And he might go to another team and do very well. I think I think Aaron Rodgers with the Denver Broncos would be very exciting. It's a lot of talent. It's a great roster. Just waiting for a good quarterback. And I think Aaron Rodgers in Denver would be a blast to watch. And I'd go, hey, that team might win a Super Bowl. But as far as Green Bay is concerned, Aaron is not being reasonable. The Packers GM has built a good team. And that's his job. He's done a very – Aaron – Brian Gutenkunst, the general manager of the Packers, has done a very good job. And from where I stand and where I sit, he's done good. And so trying to fire a guy who's doing a good job is not reasonable. And you cannot deal with unreasonable people. Aaron's being unreasonable. And if Aaron doesn't get exactly what he wants, he's literally, you hear reports all the time, he'll just quit football and go do Jeopardy. Like, okay, that's not healthy either. If a guy has so much power where he's he demands exactly what he wants and if he doesn't get it, he's out, Aaron will hold the Packers like hostage, basically. You can't work with someone who's unreasonable. I, I'll say that over and over again. Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old. He's got a really expensive contract. And by the way, it's not like the Packers have been winning Super Bowls recently with Aaron Rodgers. They've been to two NFC Championship games in a row, and it hasn't happened. A great quarterback with a great team, and they can't get over the hump. And at some point, I'm getting really tired of blaming the GM and the coach and the offensive line and the receivers and the defense. Like, at some point, it's like, hey, you're supposed to be this amazing quarterback. Make it happen. You got a good enough team around you. So at this point, the best thing the Green Bay Packers can do is trade away Aaron Rodgers. Go get a mega haul in return. I think that would be a great thing for the Packers to have, to get a bunch of players and draft picks and get whatever they can. He goes to the highest bidder. I I just, my opinion of Aaron is that he's vengeful and unreasonable. And I would not bow down to him if I was a Green Bay Packers. It's not worth the trouble. I I I don't know what Green Bay really benefits by giving Aaron exactly what he wants, other than a good player who hasn't gotten them over the hump. And so look, if Aaron wants, here's the thing. If Aaron really wants to get revenge on Green Bay, if he says, I am really mad you drafted Jordan Love and I want to get revenge, the best thing to do is leave. Do what Tom Brady did. Go to some other team and win a Super Bowl. You don't need to tear down Brian Gutenkunst. You don't need to, you know, burn down the barn on your way out. Like, don't, don't, uh, don't do anything to hurt the Green Bay Packers. The best way, if you want to get revenge on the Packers and make them look stupid, go to Denver and win a Super Bowl. That's the best way to get revenge. You don't need to tear other people down to get what you want in life. And I, I just, that is where I stand on Aaron Rodgers. I, um, I, I just, I, I don't think, it, again, it's not what he's doing, it's the way he's doing it. And that's my six-part conversation of um, how I feel about the Aaron Rodgers situation. Okay, I'm gonna drink some water real quick. I got two topics left. Um, I recently did a topic called I have concerns about Trevor Lawrence. I made a whole video, uh, put it on YouTube, uh, and I got a ton of hate. And I get it. That's part of, you make content on YouTube, people get angry at you. Uh, especially, I, I get it. I totally understand. But I've had time to think about this and really sit on it and go, like, was I right? As, as I stew on and think about it more, 
uh, I've had time to reflect. And as I reflect, I want to say, I feel exactly the same way as I did a couple days ago when I put that video out. In fact, I don't know why it's wrong to say that I'm not 100% sure Trevor Lawrence is a future Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't know why it's not okay to be a little bit skeptical. Like, how dare I question things? How dare I not say, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread? Here's the problem I really have. I take issue with the the generational player thing people say about Trevor Lawrence. You know, people say he's the best quarterback we've had in 15, 20 years. People are comparing Trevor Lawrence to Andrew Luck or John Elway. And look, he's a good quarterback. I'm not, he's awesome. You watch film, a lot of good stuff. But everybody's acting like there's a 100% chance that Trevor Lawrence is the next superstar. Like there's, there's a 0% chance that he fails. And, and no offense, but you can't guarantee anything like that. There's not a single thing in the world you can fully guarantee like that. Not, not when it comes to football. And Trevor Lawrence is not a guaranteed success. I just, I, I stand by that. I, and I don't feel wrong or bad saying that. It's, it's all marketing. It's all hype. Trevor's good on film, but he's not that good on film. He's not Andrew Luck. And when you watch film of Trevor Lawrence, there still are problems. There are things I see and I go like, oh, that's a bad throw into triple coverage and that's a bad decision. And that's, there's things that make me hesitant, hesitate. And so um, here's a weird thought. I want to, I think this is a fun comparison to make. Do you know why we drink milk? Like, do you know why we drink cow milk in America? <laughs> it's marketing. Somebody decided at some point in the dairy industry, we should market this and tell people it's a good idea to drink milk. It's, it's good for your bones, which is like this made-up thing about calcium. Uh, there's a great video out there. It's called Why Americans Eat Dessert for Breakfast. It's by a filmmaker named Johnny Harris. Look up the video on YouTube. Why Americans Eat Dessert for Breakfast. It's a great video. It kind of talks about this. I recommend you watch it. Cow milk is for baby cows. It's not for people. Uh, look up why tequila has worms in the bottom of it. That's another thing. It happened by accident one time. It's, it's a marketing strategy. It's not a thing that like makes tequila better unless you're a weird person who's doing marketing. So my point is that people tell us stuff all the time and we just believe it. We, we just go, oh yeah, yeah, have, having Cocoa Puffs for breakfast is good because you got to eat breakfast. No, let me tell you, having sugary cereal for breakfast, no offense to Cocoa Puffs, it's, it's good, it's fun. But having sugary cereal for breakfast is not healthy for you. It's not good for you. But we, we believe things are marketed. And so for me, this whole thing, generational talent, a, a once-in-a-generation player is a marketing term that drives me nuts when it comes to Trevor Lawrence. You, you only, people say you only find a guy this good every 10 to 15 years when it comes to Trevor Lawrence. And I, I just don't tell me that because I don't believe that. It's not true. And I think it's very okay to be skeptical and ask questions and question everything you see. And, and by the way, Joe Burrow in last year's draft, Joe Burrow, out of LSU was a better prospect than Trevor Lawrence. It's not like we need to go back 10 years to find a quarterback better than Trevor Lawrence. I think Joe Burrow was a better prospect, had a better year and a better season and was more prepared for the NFL than Trevor Lawrence is. So I, we don't have to go very far. If, if you had Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow in the same NFL draft, I would have picked Joe Burrow number one overall, not Trevor Lawrence. So I, it's just this whole thing. He's a once in a generation player. I, I hate it. It drives me nuts. And look, I like Trevor. He probably does well. He's a good quarterback. But what I don't like is that we're acting like it's fully guaranteed. He's a Hall of Fame player. It's not okay to question. It's not okay to not be sure or not be all in. 
I saw a number of problems on film. And he's going to a really bad organization, the Jacksonville Jaguars, with a head coach, Urban Meyer, who's never once been an NFL head coach. Why is it not okay to say, hmm, things might not go perfectly? I, I just I think it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be skeptical. And I am not going to apologize for not being 100% certain that Trevor Lawrence is going to do well in the NFL. I just, you can't make a guarantee he's going to do well. I can't either. And I think it's very okay to not be completely certain Trevor Lawrence is a future Hall of Fame quarterback. It's okay to be like, hmm, let's pause and think about this a little bit. And I I, I got a lot of hate, and that's fine. That's part of doing content. But I, I just don't think there's anything wrong with asking questions. Okay, um, let me shift gears. Last topic of the day. Um, on Sunday, I got up at 6 a.m., uh, and I watched the Portuguese Grand Prix. And I'll be honest, this was not uh, the most entertaining Formula One race I've ever watched in my life. Uh, and I think when we look back on the 2021 season, this race is kind of going to be looked at as a footnote where we'll go, yeah, Lewis Hamilton won, big shocker. Max Verstappen got second. Mercedes got first and third. Red Bull got second and fourth. And overall, what this race did as far as the F1 standings was just kind of hold everything in place. You know, McLaren's where, where they were, Ferrari's where they were. Um, and, you know, if you look at the standings, you know, Lewis Hamilton's got 69 points. He's in first in Formula One. And, you know, Max is in second with 61 points. And Lando is still in third. And with the team standings, you know, Mercedes is in first with 101 points. And Red Bull is in second with 83 points. And McLaren is in third with 53 points. So from an overarching theme, this race was really kind of just about Red Bull staying alive and keeping themselves in the hunt. Uh, trying to stay in competition with Mercedes. Red Bull didn't really have a chance to win. There was never a moment where I'm like, wow, Red Bull can catch Mercedes. Didn't have the pace on Sunday to do that. But Red Bull stayed alive. And I know Red Bull's not the only focus, but that's something I'm most excited about. And um, I, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer. I don't mean to be like a guy super negative. I, I, but I know that not every single F1 race uh, is going to be the best race in F1 history. There are some races where I'm like, man, that was unbelievable. Sunday was just not one of those days. Now, I will say, there were still good moments. Uh, there was a great moment where Sergio Perez, for example, uh, he stayed on his tires so long, like well longer than I would have thought he did, where Sergio Perez stayed so long on his tires, he ended up kind of by default in first place. And Lewis Hamilton was coming up behind him going, asking on the team radio, um, blue flags, am I about to lap? Sergio Perez like didn't even realize Sergio was in first place because it's unthinkable he went that long on his tires. And then, of course, you know, with fresher tires, Lewis is very e easily able to pass him and go into first place once he realized, oh, uh, we're racing. Like, that's real. That was kind of a fun moment. Um, there was another moment, not really fun, but kind of infuriating, where uh, Nikita Mazepin got blue flag. He was in last place in the race. And uh, Sergio Perez was coming up behind him to lap him. And Nikita Mazepin refused to get over. Like, just whether he's not aware or he's a jerk or doesn't care, he refused to get over. Uh, now, Nikita Mazepin got a five-second time penalty. Ooh, he's in last place. It didn't matter. But the real penalty went on Sergio Perez, who was trying to get by Mesa Penn. He wouldn't let him by. And as a result, it made it easier for Lewis Hamilton to get up behind him and catch him and pass him for first place. And so I, I got to say, I, I've held this way all year. Uh, this is just another example of how very much I hate Nikita Mazepin. He's Mesa Spin, we'll call him. I think that's a really fun way to put it. Um, and <laughs> Nikita Mazepin makes it so easy to hate the guy. Like, 
He seems like a jerk off the track. He's a terrible driver. He's there because of his rich dad. Like, it's kind of insane how many ways you can look at Nikita Mazepin and go, that dude sucks really bad. Now, I will say also, this race is evidence that Red Bull finally found their number two driver. Like, it's really exciting. Alex Albon last year could not get it done. Uh, finally, we have a driver, Sergio Perez, number two with Red Bull, who can we as if I'm part of the team. But as an F1 fan, I, I want to see a team challenge Mercedes, and Sergio Perez is part of that. He really can be a guy up there pushing from behind and competing for podiums. He got fourth, and that's really exciting, and he's been very competitive all year. Uh, now, Alpine was solid. They got, uh, you know, Esteban Ocon got seventh place. Fernando Alonso got eighth place. Uh, Alpine is making progress. The battle for third right now was really, really fun in Formula One, where you have McLaren with... Uh, they're in third right now with 53 points. Ferrari's in fourth with 42 points. And in the driver's standings, like you have, uh, you know, McLaren's got Dana Ricardo and Lando Norris. Ferrari's got Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. They're both doing very well, and they're both really competitive teams. And Lando's third, Valtteri Bottas is fourth, and Charles Leclerc is fifth right now. So they're the battle for third, McLaren, Ferrari, it's really, really fun. I'm really enjoying that kind of back and forth. Um, and Ferrari, I got to say, Ferrari is much better than I would have thought they'd be this year. I'm, I'm really impressed with what they're doing. Uh, Aston Martin has been disappointing. Uh, yeah, there's still time. Uh, plus, I think Aston Martin really is focused on uh, mainly next year in 2022, you know, development for next year. Uh, but Seb got 16th in Portugal. And Sebastian Vettel is not impressed so far. He's kind of struggled so far this F1 season. And, you know, Aston Martin right now is 7th behind even Alpha Tauri right now, which is... Not exciting if you're if you're an Aston Martin fan. And uh, it's just pretty clear Aston Martin's got a long way to go. Uh, Lando Norris, the more we watch him, looks more and more like a star driver. And I got to say, my favorite thing about Formula One right now is this Red Bull versus Mercedes battle. Uh, I got a question from Caleb on Patreon. I'm not going to read it, but it's basically like, what's the best storyline in Formula One? It's Mercedes and, Mc and, and Red Bull. It's so much fun to watch these two teams battle for first. And Red Bull really feels like they have a chance to win. And whether they do or not, I don't really care. Uh, I'd love to see Mer you know, Red Bull take down Mercedes, but uh, even if Red Bull can just make it close and make it interesting and convince me they've got a chance, that's all I care about. Uh, I just don't want it to be a, a walkaway win for Mercedes where it's easy. I'd love to be in a situation where it's close all year and we're, it's tense and we're not sure. That's what I want from Formula One this year. That's all I'm begging for. And so far, that's exactly what we're getting. Uh, and uh, I just, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm really, really enjoying Formula One. It's fun. Uh, I think it's competitive. It's interesting. That battle for first is fun. Battle for third is fun. There's good battles later in the back, in the you know the middle middle of the pack, at the back of the pack, and it's fun to hate on Nikita Mazepin, who uh, I hate the guy, but it's fun to talk about how much I don't like him. And I I gotta say, like even though I don't like him, it's he does bring me joy because I get to talk about why I don't like him. So, um, God, that makes me sound like such a horrible, hateful person. But he's a meme. He's fun to talk about. So uh, F1's going really well. The, the Portuguese race was not the most impressive thing I've ever seen, but sometimes that's how Formula One goes. And uh, so far, I'm really, really enjoying Formula One. All right, guys, um, at least for, you know, for 2021. Guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, happy 350. 350 episodes. That's pretty wild. Uh, we've come so far. Uh, I just want to say I love you. I really appreciate your support. I hope you're having a great day. Hope you have an awesome week. And uh, I guess week, you know, I'll see you later this week. We'll do... Uh, we'll do more predictions versus reality. NFC, AFC West, the Chargers, they're next. We'll talk about Justin Herbert, uh, a guy I love to be wrong about, apparently. My name is Zach Schaumler. I love you so much. Hope you have a great day. But I'm bum. Bam. We are done.